you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you saying, it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Barak, I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. Hi everybody, how are you? This is an exciting episode for me and one I'm quite interested in recording. I've been a little bit teary this morning, which is actually quite unusual for me. Um, Not a big crier. I always get really excited when I do cry, just to be weird. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is happening. Um, and there's so many bits to ourselves that we get to unfurl in this journey. And this week, I there's a few sort of connecting bits here, but really I'm talking about, here I am, oh, it's like three and a half years into being an alcohol-free human being, having been on this tremendous journey and just really uh, continuing to discover so much stuff that there is no way I would get to or be able to do or have given myself the opportunity to do had I not chosen myself and listened to that little inner voice that said, I don't think that drinking is working out for you right now. I think you should take a longer break. And for those of you who are joining my virtual retreat this week, so it will probably, I think this comes out on the same day as the first day. So if you're joining me for virtual retreat, join that and stop listening now because I'm going to talk about this in the virtual retreat. It's all new content five days. So um, I highly recommend you jump on either my website or the show notes here or um, my link tree or my Instagram or anywhere you find it. Um, we're having five days of community, brand new content around finding freedom from alcohol and how to go from a place of fixation or wanting to drink or not wanting to drink as well, so doing both at the same time, and getting to a place of peace where you have no desire for alcohol at all. I mean, you could have it if you wanted to, but why would you, right? Because there's actually nothing um, that it would offer me that would be something that I would want to partake in, which is hilarious because, you know, I'm not a holier than now. I'm not particularly, you know, like I try and look after myself the best I can, but, you know, I, I eat the cake and I, you know, I have the odd Diet Coke which is something I'd really like to <laughs> I know that's so bad for you. But look, if that's the worst of my troubles. Um, 
But yeah, just to come to this place where I'm a person who doesn't drink, who doesn't want to drink, has no has no interest in drinking at all, is such a 360 and such a part of this journey for me and why I get so excited about sharing this message with other people. Because to me, it was really interesting. I was traveling home with a friend from my swimming group and we were in the taxi together coming home from my holiday, which I'll tell you more about because it was a really amazing experience and not just from the fact that it was swimming in the wit Sundays with whales and on a ship and on a tall ship and 15, I can't remember how many of us there were, but like maybe 15 amazing human beings. Um, But I was traveling home with this lady and she said to me, and I hear this a lot, is lovely lady, very involved. I sounded like, oh, the lovely lady, very involved. <laughs> like spiritual, you know. Had her own midlife unraveling. Very interesting person. Again, I sound like I'm a very interesting person. It's like, mum, we don't need to know that information about it's too much. It's not actually part of the story, really. Anyway. We're not playing being my mum. But, yeah, we were coming. She said, oh, I've just finished. That's interesting. I've just finished a year off alcohol. She said, I just don't, I said, I don't, I don't think I will do it again because it didn't feel that much different. And I hear that so much from a lot of uh, people I work with. It's like, well, I don't feel that much better. In fact, I thought I'd feel amazing. It's like I thought I'd stop drinking and I would be fixed. You know, it would all be Okay. And then you get the thought, well, if I'm if I'm if I'm still feeling kind of shit and I'm not drinking, well, what's the point? And that question comes up a lot. If I'm not drinking, if I'm not drinking and still feel like shit, what's the point? And that my answer would be, I think you're missing the point. Because the point isn't about fixing you. And the point is. alcohol has nothing for you so why would you choose to drink it if even if it was open to you that talk tells me that there's still a belief around alcohol that needs picking and uncovering so we need to understand what that belief is um what do we think that alcohol has to offer us and how can we dig into why that might be something that we really want and want need to feel safe and then see if we can offer ourselves that safety in a different way that helps us and moves us towards our goal because one of the things I'm getting very very frustrated about in society at the moment is this idea that alcohol is just a you know um innocuous that's not the right word um I want it's a word that means like it's not harmful and it is harmful it's like really harmful to us not just physically which is massively harmful to us but mentally as well and on our souls because it suppresses us and it allows us to push through and so many women who stop drinking they're like we're exhausted like yeah because you've been pushing through for 30 years now your body's gone. I don't. I can't. I haven't got the energy to do this anymore because I don't have the the alcohol to do this to to suppress myself anymore. So it's interesting, and it was interesting because what I think this journey is is, and I was re- I read this amazing post. I must get it actually. I posted it actually on my website because I thought it was so good. Not my website. <laughs> My words are not good at the moment. I'm, as I've said to you before, I'm a bit burnt out because I'm doing the retreat, which I'm super excited about. But whenever I do this stuff, I put way too much pressure on myself because I really want, I've always been the same. I want to share my message because it's made such a big difference to my life. And I want other people to hear my message and understand that <clears throat> it, this doesn't have to be hard. And this this isn't about fixing yourself. This is about not abandoning yourself. And it's about what I'm going to talk about now, which is allowing your precious self 
to develop the way we've never allowed it to because we ran away from our feelings because they were too uncomfortable for us at the time. Yeah, so the post that I read, which was brilliant, it was from a lady called Be More With Less, and she's obviously, um, she's got a few things going on. I think she's quite a big personality. I hadn't actually heard of her myself before. Um, but she's got a lovely um, Facebook, which I'm now, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, that I'm now following. Um, and it's about simplifying the life um, in lots of different ways. But her post said, choosing not to drink alcohol simplified my life more than any other change I made, which I thought was so powerful. Because women, we want, in fact, I should get her on this podcast, and I? This is, welcome to the ADHD brain. <laughs> and another thought, and another thought. Um, yeah, we're being authentic. Be more with less. Yeah, I'll reach out to her. Um, back to the subject matter at hand and what she wrote in here she was it's a beautiful post and I've read re, as I said it's in my Instagram and what oh just quickly before I forget I'm sorry ADH brain in overdrive um can you let me know how the sound is on this podcast if you can if it's better because I had feedback that my sound is quite poor and so I've bought a new microphone and a new pair of headphones and so if it sounds better to you, can you let me know? It would be really nice to know because I can't listen to all my podcasts over and over again because I don't have time. <laughs> and so I pass them over to Mel, my beautiful podcast editing hero, lady, VA, extraordinaire lady. Um, and then I don't I don't revisit them again. Um Sometimes I do if I'm like, I cannot remember what that was about. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, so what she put here, I thought this was really interesting. I get to show up for my life. This may be the one I'm most grateful for. I get to choose presence anytime I want. I am here for all of it. That actually wasn't my favourite one buzzing here I'm just going to just play with that let's see if I can get rid of that no that's no better hmm. that's weird okay well we'll see if it is on the recording anyway um, it was number four actually she said she said I get to be myself all the time I'm an introvert but drinking made me much more social and outgoing I really wasn't myself when drinking, which made me feel bad later. Without alcohol, I'm more confident in who I am and I trust myself more. Wow. There's so many things that she said in here that I'm just like, yeah. But this has relevance for me because I've been doing a bit of work in my, you know, you guys, I'm doing... Um, Gabor Mate's Compassionate Inquiry, which is really interesting, actually, and we should do a subject for another day because I've been dabbling around. There's a lot of people in the neurodiverse world who don't like Gabor Mate because he appears to say that, and it depends where you read his work, because he seems to say different things at different places. And I was fully on the Gabor side until just recently, and I really need to kind of like reflect that back to some of my neuro kin. Um, because working with him, he, when I read his book, Scattered Minds, which is about ADHD, I never, I, I read it and he, for me, he said, I have ADHD, uh, people with ADHD and neurodiversity have a sensitivity gene, that sensitivity genes and genes can be turned on and off depending on the environment. There's loads of stuff on genes. It's really complex. And also quite simple. I mean, it's the same, like, you know, people say there's a dream for alcohol. And it's like, yeah, there is a, and it's kind of like this gene key thing. Like, there is that, but it also has to have certain other things to make it happen. And it's not inevitable that just because you have that gene, you're going to have a problem with alcohol. It 
you still need the set of circumstances to align in the same way that a person without that gene needs that set of circumstances. Now, I don't know what it's the, the you know how that works with the neurodiversity thing. What I do know is the point of contention is that the neurodiverse world um, of advocates, of whom I'm in huge admiration for, feel like Gabor denies uh, that autism and ADHD are, it's probably more ADHD actually that people get from what I've seen, um, that they are genetic and therefore a disability and therefore to be treated as a disability. And what I think a lot of people get triggered by is he talks about trauma and the impact of trauma on sensitive people, of which neurodivergent people are sensitive, um, or sense high sensory, have a big experience of the world, which is similar to people who've experienced trauma. The, 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 the symptoms are kind of the same. And this is interesting in terms of, I'm going to go and get myself tested for autism on the 6th of September, which I'm really excited about. It's not just autism. It's like I found this place, and I hope it's really good, in um, St Kilda, which is a feminist clinic. And um, it sounds neuroaffirming. And I've wanted to have a really good cognitive test done because of my, I've been perimenopausal, have huge issues with my memory and brain fog, and I'm very burnt out at the moment. Um most of the time I do all the things, you know, like I walk, I swim when I can, but I also rest a lot more than I used to. I used to push myself really hard, especially when I was drinking. And I was very, very ambitious and driven. And work was my, um, <clears throat> work was really important to me. I cared about it so much. And I talked to so many of my clients with the same, you know, working you know work is a really easy place for us to lose ourselves because in our workplace we can be our best selves a lot of the time especially those of us in the caring professions you know we are we bring our best selves we're masking a lot of the time as well which is why it's quite exhausting and you know there's so many Brené Brown writes about this in her great unraveling and I love that that essay so much it's just incredible and she talks about, you know, all the things that kept us safe. You know, it might be being really tidy. It might be, you know, keeping really st strong control over everything, being really organised, being really minimalist, being um, really fastidious about our food, being, you know, really health conscious, being, you know, running marathons, um, anything that we do, working, um, having sex, playing computer games, shopping, you know, they're all the same. They all give us dopamine and, and they give us un, um, unusually high levels of dopamine and they allow us to escape from, um, they allow us not to be with ourselves in our distress. And I always used to love work. I used to, you know, think, God, family's really hard. Work's really easy. And I used to, you know, when I went to work, I was actually, you know, I never wanted to not, and this, I know this, a lot of my clients feel like this as well, like the idea of staying at home would have been really hard for me back in my 20s and 30s. So I didn't have my babies till I was 35, 36, 37, I think. Um, and it was kind of a, honestly, it was kind of a, a, a an afterthought. <laughs> um, I won't say that too, too much about that because that's a subject for another day. Um, but we lose ourselves in pursuits pursuits that give us something so everything we do we do for a reason same with drinking same with everything right it's got to be there's got to be a reason for why we do it none of those reasons are bad but it's interesting to understand so that we're not just kind of like wandering around unconscious and I think this is I was talking to a lady in um my compassionate inquiry triads at the moment I'm working with a new new group which has been quite wonderful for me as well um because in compassionate inquiry what we do is we we meet every week with a different set of human beings who are on this course, the Gabor Mate training, and we talk about what's coming up for us that week. And we get we get counselled thera therapeutic session, a compassionate inquiry therapeutic session on it. And <clears throat> 
what's been coming up a lot for me and what's been interesting and been quite a moving experience writing this retreat was revisiting the 11 year old me because I always see I remember listening to Victoria Van Stone's podcast I think it was with Lizzie who also does an amazing podcast that I've asked to be on she didn't come back to me I'll have to ask again <laughs> that's one good thing about my nature is I Whilst I do have rejection sensitivity dysphoria, it's not it's not about things like being rejected from people's podcasts and stuff. I can keep going with that, no problem at all. It's more, did I say the wrong thing? Did I give a wrong representation of myself? Um, <clears throat> that sort of thing. Um, and also, you know, what's been very hard for me for the last few months has been, you know, the you know, advocating for Daisy. And having to convince professionals in the medical profession that our experience is real and having to stop people in the medical profession from hurting my child by not because they're trying to, but because they don't know any better. And I do. And then also not having my research that I've, you know, I, I was, you know, such a nerd. Love research. That's why I jumped three degrees. Of course, that. And this is the girl who was like not particularly academic. Um, because I'm fascinated in stuff, I find it interesting. I'm still determined to do a PhD on suppression, suppression of self. <clears throat> one day, one day. Me and Faye are both like, we're going to do a PhD. Um, because of uh, eating disorders and um, and drinking, it's just um, because I have had experience of both and a lot of mine neurokin do as well um but yes yeah, so i found this place in st kilda it's a feminist referendum clinic and they do all this cognitive testing so i was trying to find someone that did adult autism that was neuroaffirming and feminist didn't want to go with a guy i'm having funny weird shit about guys at the moment sorry any guys who are listening uh and you know gender diverse folks as well um, I'm still learning around all of that as well. So forgive me if I get some of the bits wrong. Um, but back to this authenticity piece. So I'm back to my holiday. So I went away last week and I flew up on Sunday. I left my family for a week, which was really necessary. I, I found it really difficult because Daisy had lost her phone and she doesn't really communicate much at the best of times so and I also knew that she was going to struggle a little bit while I was away and she said she did afterwards she was like I missed you um and she really just stayed in bed all week which is fine you know she's got autistic burnout and autistic burnout that she's recovering from and she's seeing glimmers and she came in last night in her leotard from when she used to do gymnastics and she's been talking about doing things like that again so again she has it all has to be child-led and in her situation so and I don't jump on board any of it too tightly because then I put her off because that's how the PDA profile works autism, pathological demand avoidance or <clears throat> persistent drive for autonomy um which I like they're both good names but I like the second one better either works so uh yeah so I was away and I flew up to Brisbane and I flew up to Early Beach. I've never been to Early Beach before. And I stayed in this little B&B, nothing fancy. It's quite sweet. Um, looking over a road, <laughs> but to the beach as well. And I was like, right, okay, I've got a lot of work. Because I always find my launches are really tiring. And I can do them, but I have to bound tools afterwards. Because I put, put, put a lot of energy into them. And for me as a neurodiverse person as well, with ADHD, who tends to be a last minute person, um, I really struggle with focus. And it often in a day, even when I'm taking my ADHD meds, it can be like three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon until I finally get focused. And I get interrupted all day because both my kids are at home a lot. And so like Daisy, for example, um, you know, needs me when she, when she gets in and out of the shower, she likes, not because she needs me like, she needs me, but she needs me emotionally. And it sounds really weird. If you have an autistic child, you understand. Um, and I, my, and I want to be there 
for her too. You know, I want to co-regulate with her because these babies are precious and I brought them into the world. And we didn't know any of this stuff. And I want to fill them with that love. Because I listen to my big one. He's really struggling at the moment. And it's really tough because Daisy does take up so much of our my attention because her needs for co-regulation are very high. And sometimes it's easy to forget that Bugs an autistic kid too and struggles with anxiety and finding, you know, he's gone to a new school, which is all the other side of Melbourne. We, he was trying to get there by public transport, but it's just too hard for him and he's exhausted and he's trying to go in every day and he wants to be a good kid and he's, uh, he's such a people-pleasing, lovely, gorgeous human. But of course, that's exhausting. Yeah, Bugs, Bug and I are quite similar, I think, in that he's much more creative than I was. But <clears throat> we can mask. Um, but Daisy, Daisy really can't mask anymore. She used to mask. I think she masked very, very well. But when she came home, she was like, Psh. which I think is very common. Um. So where was I? So I arrived in. Um, Brisbane I knew I had Sunday Monday Tuesday and we were leaving on Wednesday and I thought great I've got no kids I'm going to try and get all this stuff done which of course I completely underestimated what I could do and also you know I had my groups I had my compassionate inquiry staff so compassionate inquiry is about three hours of my or maybe more than that probably five hours of my week just in terms of like study groups and triads and stuff like that and then there's like the study on top of that um <clears throat> plus my clients and everything else so anyway no one needs to see listen to my to-do list how boring sorry about that um but anyway I was I was a little frustrated with myself because the day that I'd kind of set aside to really work on the virtual retreat content I got a call from one of Daisy's healthcare providers and it was a really triggering call. Um, and I felt a bit like she deceived me about something and on purpose. And it was just a really difficult call and I had to advocate really strongly and then I couldn't get a hold of anybody. It was just basically the day kind of disappeared into this whole me advocating for Daisy again instead of doing the work for the people who are paying to come to my virtual treat. Um, and of course, you know, I'm never going to let that be anything other than freaking amazing whilst human. Um, <clears throat> but it was annoying. So I pulled together like, like the overview for what I was going to do, but I'd really hoped I would have, you know, each of the day's presentations mapped out properly. So I knew what I'm doing, but I hadn't really gotten to the nuts and bones of it all. So I knew I was going to have to leave that and come back. So anyway, I went on this trip. And it was it was really sensational. Now, I knew one of the ladies, Jo Wise, who's been on my podcast before. She's a great friend of mine. She's a leadership coach, an altogether awesome human being. Um, I stay at her house sometimes in Woodend uh, when she is away. And it brings me so much joy. Being the trees and she's got chickens and just her house has this just incredible energy. Um, so I knew Jo. And Joe and I have both come up with the same intention, but except she had decided to leave her work at home and actually relax and replenish because she'd been going through some stuff. Whereas I had decided to work my arse off in a room and not have to look after other people. Um, but my body wouldn't let me do as much as I wanted to do, um, which is kind of half the course. So I got in the boat. It's with a group of people I don't know very well. I've never been on a sailing boat before. Right? I've been on a couple of sailing boats, you know, like when you're on holiday somewhere, and I've not particularly liked them. It's not really been my thing. And I have this thing that I need to work on about, like thinking people are, are snobby. <laughs> Which is just, must be a limiting belief in there somewhere. Anyway, that's for another day. Um, so we got on the boat, the boat was amazing. I was supposed to be sharing a room with somebody who I was really looking forward to sharing with actually because it was a really interesting somatic experiencing coach. I'm pretty sure she's a somatic experiencing coach. She's something really interesting. Like she works with people's bodies and she's like, yeah, she's cool. I would have loved to have spent the week with her, but I didn't because we got into our cabin and it wasn't quite right <clears throat> for her. 
So anyway, she left and went to another cabin and I got my cabin to myself, which I was really excited about because I don't like sharing with people. I really don't like sharing, but number one, because I snore and number two, because I really, as I've stopped drinking, find I'm a, I'm a real introvert and I really do need my own time, my own space and my own energy. Um, which is something that I never was, you know, I never really had. Um, so anyway, I went on this trip. It was, I mean, the, the the crew were amazing. It was so chilled. It was hours. We 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 tired this boat um, to do the swimming trip. So around the wet Sundays, and so basically each day we did two decent swims, snorkel, and then we did some walks as well. Plenty, not too much. We had beautiful food on the boat. I, for some reason, which is hilarious, had put myself down as a vegan, gluten free, dairy free person. I must have been into it at the time. Like I do try and eat more that way, um, mainly from an inflammation perspective, but not. it's not really, I'm not a taller, like, you know me, I'm like intuitive eating, anti-diet, da, 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 da. and then suddenly I found myself something and they're like, oh, so you're gluten-free, dairy-free, and, and no one else is, right? <laughs> and I'm not even those things, right? But instead of being authentic about this, because I just thought it doesn't matter and they've got all the stuff in, for me especially, and they're guarding it for me. Um, now, there were other gluten-free people on there and there were other vegetarians, but there was no like vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. Anyway, that was me, special Emma. Um, but the food was great and I felt great over the week as well. It felt really, I did feel really, really good eating. The food was amazing. We had two breakfasts every day, so we'd have a like, little mini breakfast and then we'd swim and go for a swim and I did I was with the chatters aqua chatters and we swam you know probably, probably about a kilometer and then we snorkeled in the afternoon and we did some beautiful beach you know the beaches were sensational the the the, the land was so untouched just extraordinary I mean you think about what it must have been like before the westerners came oh my god what a beautiful place and how I mean, it makes me sad to think about what has what must have happened there for the people who are from that place. And yeah, and we should that should be a subject for another day for sure. But they're just it's just an extraordinary place, and I just thought, God, we're so lucky to live in this beautiful country with these, you know, these opportunities to be one minute in Melbourne and it's grey and miserable in the middle of winter, and the next minute you're up in, you know. The wet Sundays, and and I know I'm privileged, right? But it was really an interesting one. There's no but there. I am privileged. Um, but I remember when the opportunity came up to do this um, trip, and I was like, I can't afford this. And normally, like I do pay, I do pay for travel and retreats and things like that because they are things that are more to do with my business. But this, I was like, this, like this, I don't know if I can justify in that way because it's more. Um, personal trip but it had it did actually end up having a massive impact and I have used it a lot in my business actually so it was worth doing definitely worth doing from a business perspective as well and also for this journey you know because this journey that we go on so it was basically the first holiday that I've been on with a group of women or people outside of my family since I stopped drinking it might not be the first one I think I might have done a couple of weekends away people like right in the early days but this was it was the first time and I'd been doing all this work with compassionate inquiry about myself and I've been doing some, like, a little bit of work around death and a little bit of work around is it true that I have quite compartmentalized brain there's a very common thing for ADHD women to have this kind of like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. And I I remember um, Danny Carr, actually, who brought it up for me. We were having a session together. I think it was actually she was interviewing me for a podcast, but, but we were having a session together. I'll speak to Danny eventually. Um, and we were talk I was talking about going to boarding school and I was saying, you know, I, I really wanted to go to boarding school. I love going to boarding school. It was just like for me, I wanted to go there. I couldn't wait to get there. And she's like, that's interesting. And and I'm like a lot of autistic neurodiverse women and women I work with. 
I should just there should just be a word for like women basically women who drink women who've drunk at some point and now don't drink anymore or who are on the journey to not drink um because and you know this interceptive awareness thing you know um that we don't we, we struggle to feel our feelings and a lot of the time I'm quite happy and calm and slightly numb um because it's a really great coping mechanism for me to do and I was talking to my psychic my um, therapist and she was like you know that underneath that you're still your nervous system's still going 120 miles an hour it's just that you're disassociating from it so it's not that you're actually calm it's that you're numb I thought it was really interesting <laughs> and that's why I do so much work in my groups and with the women that I work with around you know trying to learn to identify our interceptive awareness our feelings are happens <clears throat> in our body and being able to learn how to anchor ourselves so that it's not too scary for us to be with our experience. It's not too overwhelming that we have an anchor. We do that through grounding. We do that through, you know, kind of somatic things. We make sure, you know, we touch a bit of skin, a bit of fabric. We keep coming back. We dip in, we dip out. We come back to the fact that we're a human being. We notice what bottom of our feet feels like on the carpet and you know it's that sort of thing so we, we work on that a lot in my groups and we we take time at the end of every session to debrief our experience and we notice where we feel things in our body and feeling things in our body is actually a really really good way to anchor ourselves but it's also quite difficult if you have trauma or you have been suppressing your feelings for a long time which is most women um especially women who at some point have not eaten as much food as they would like to have eaten because they were trying to change their body to fit. Um, or women who are drinking because they're overwhelmed or they're tired or they're um, they're in social sensory overwhelm. Anyway, all the things. So feeling our feelings is hard. I'm often disassociated and that's why I really empathize and that's why I know that it's a practice I think it's called axomilior or something it's like that there's a there's a there's a term for it in a lot of neurodiversity and trauma people with trauma can't um, find it difficult to identify the way they feel the way they feel so identifying an emotion putting a name to it, it's a really important skill to um teach and also to uh model for our children and when I was training as a tuning into teens, emotionally intelligent parenting coach, um, <clears throat> that was the kind of like the main drift was like connection and helping your kids being able to notice what they're feeling, how they're feeling and give it a name, which is a little bit like what Brené Brown does in her book, The Atlas of the Heart. It's like giving us a language to describe our emotions, isn't it? So anyway, back to this trip. I won't go into too much more detail, but basically... I, referring back to the the, the um, Instagram I was talking about before, I took myself on holiday on the boat as my authentic self. And I think this is what this journey is all about. I think this journey is about, because alcohol disconnects you, dis any kind of, adaptive behavior there's a disconnection from self and most of us don't even know who self is right and self is <clears throat> our essence our inner goddess our intuition our knowing our you know the spark our spark our potential and that whatever's happened to us that is still there that's 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 innate that's that's still there all the other stuff is like a, a hard shell that sits over the top of this amazing bloom, blooming, fiery self that every single human that I work with is. And that's what I have the privilege to see in them. And that's what people who work with other people 
in a therapeutic relationship have the privilege to be able to hold for their clients is the hope <coughs> for the person that they are underneath the layers that we've created to keep ourselves safe. And so what I did on this holiday unconsciously and consciously, but so it's been more conscious for me afterwards, is I took 11-year-old me on holiday and 11-year-old me was the one who made a decision and she did a very good job of it to change from who she was. She'd probably been changing a little bit all the way along, but when this 11-year-old friend dumped her and she didn't have anyone else, her mum and dad were in Africa, that was no problem, that wasn't a problem. So this is nothing to do with kind of like me being sad or lonely because I wasn't with my mum and dad. What was what was sad and lonely was that I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. And that's where your trauma, that's where your shame, that's where all this stuff comes from. So I felt rejected. I didn't understand why she'd chosen someone else other than me. And I remember my little kid having that experience when she wasn't invited to a birthday once and you know it's you know every time well that's resilience but it still hurts doesn't it like resilience yeah it builds resilience I hate the word resilience anyway that's a subject for another podcast but so 11 year old me decided that she wasn't okay and she became a risk taker she's she was still people yeah she still wanted to be really light and she was a good kid but she started doing things to help her change how she felt. And she did things to help her fit in. She was also a bit of a leader in that way as well. She knew it made her part of the gang kind of thing. I mean, I was quite lucky my school wasn't too gangy. Everyone sort of got along. We didn't really have, I was so lucky. We didn't really have that much bullying in my school at all. Both my schools, in fact, all three of my schools were really lovely schools. That was my experience of them anyway. All three of my schools, or six of my schools. So it's three primary schools, I think, three primary schools, and it's three secondary schools, um, which I liked again. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but getting back to the story of 11 year old Emma. So I was on the ship with these amazing women. I took my book with me because when I was little, I used to read my book. I didn't want to socialize, I didn't want people to come around to my house, I didn't want to have to perform. I didn't want to have to get dressed. I didn't want to have to do those things. Very much like my children. And I put on the persona. And from then on, I was performing Emma. And I performed really hard. And I was actually really, really good at masking. And very rarely did I let that little girl out. But generally when I did, she was rejected. Um, it will be... I don't know, I can't even remember the examples and I, I can't be bothered to tell them now anyway. But the moral of the story is, there's not really a moral, but the point I'm trying to make is I went on this holiday and I honoured Emma. There were some things that happened on the holiday that were beautiful things I didn't want to be part of. And instead of shooting myself and saying, oh, you should go to that because, you know, it's a beautiful experience, you'll never get the opportunity again, da 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 da, da. I just went, I'm just going to go, to, I'm just going to stay on the ship and read my book and go to bed and have a really good night's sleep because that's what I need. And I honoured myself and I honoured myself by taking that trip as well because at the time I didn't think I could afford it. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't even imagine how I could afford it. And I made it happen. And then, and again, you know, acknowledging my privilege. But I still chose to do that for me. And I chose to do it because I knew I needed it. And I knew it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. She says, thinking, I'm going to sign up to do it again. Um, but I was me like I made mistakes I didn't talk all the time to everybody I sat by myself I read my book I also did spend time with people I went on walks I had lovely one-to-one -one conversations I had some beautiful swims I saw the most amazing things I saw whales I saw huge sea snails I saw fish I saw coral I saw oh my god I saw so much beautiful stuff um, stingrays I was just sensational I swam the furthest I've ever swam, I think. Um, and I just had the most astonishing time. But there were also times of awkwardness. There were also times that I, you know, cornered people with what I was interested in in true, true 
neurodiverse fashion. There were times where things came out of my mouth before they should have. Um, there were times where I pushed my agenda rather than, you know, like on my things that I'm interested in rather than thinking about how that might land to somebody else. So it was also the things that I could, and my rejection dysphoria would go, you know, that wasn't great. But you know what? I sat with that little girl and we had a holiday together and she had me and I had her and it was okay to be her. It was okay to go to bed early. It was okay to read your book. It was okay to say no. It was okay to sit by yourself. It was okay to be with other people. It was okay to say the wrong thing because we're learning how to be. Because so many of us who drunk from a very young age we haven't had the emotional development that other people have had because we drank to escape it. We turned on our masks to escape our hurt. And the hurt still hurt, but we haven't ever been with it because we've escaped it, you know? And so it's really interesting this morning. So I've been working my ass off. I... It's been a really hard place this week, really, really needing me, especially a bug. I've just had no time. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got my virtual retreat next week, which is going to be amazing. And I'm so excited about it, but I'm not getting the time I need to put into stuff to it. So anyway, yesterday I had a big, <clears throat> a big session of getting everything aligned and just getting really into what I was going to teach guys. And just I'm getting so excited about it. And part of it was this story, which won't be as long, obviously although I do have five days. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's going to be all workshopping, no, no me talking, not much of me talking anyway. Um, but it was really interesting because I had a little cry this morning. I woke up. I'd been up all night working. And you know what? I just let myself do this. People are like, oh, you shouldn't do that. I'm like, we don't, most of the time I'm pretty fucking balanced, you know? Most of the time I go for walks, I go for swims, I go to the gym, I do yoga, I do all that stuff. But when I'm in launch, I don't. And that's okay. And for now, that's how I'm doing life. And I used to be the same when I was at uni, when I was studying my um, counselling degree um, and studying my This Naked Mind. And now I'm sure this will happen again with my Gabal Mate qualifications, which um, will all come to a head in February. So I better get that on my arse in gear for that. Um, of course I won't, I'll leave it all to the last minute because that's what us ADHD people do. Um, but I was, I'd, I'd been up all night. I couldn't, I was supposed to be taking bugs somewhere this morning. I couldn't do it. I had to go to sleep. My brain was going, I couldn't even like write a sentence. And, um, I woke up, I listened to some Hamilton because I'm a bit obsessed with Hamilton at the moment which is ridiculous because everyone else was obsessed with it like <laughs> years ago. And I'm now like just continuously playing uh, the soundtrack from it. That's my kind of like safe music at the moment. Um, particularly um, that song about Uptown. I think it's called Uptown. It's the one about their son dying. It's really, oh, it breaks my heart. Anyway, I digress. Um and I sent this text to my my jellyfish group because everyone everyone on, on the and I'll read it to you, but everyone on the group was like, um, sorry, big sigh. That's my nervous system, by the way, relaxing. Um, everyone on the trip had sent a note just saying how we're missing each other. There'd been a week since we got well, nearly a week since we got back. And I sent this note, and as I was writing it, I got a note back, and I just cried. So I just felt so seen and I sent this as my note and it said um, I've turned into an unwashed student pulled an all-nighter last night preparing for my virtual retreat this is how I roll to get really big shit done it's not for everyone but it's the only way I can do it right now I'll see you on the other side of a drunken time our time in the Whitsundays was so special to me I genuinely think it was my first unmasked holiday as an adult. Emotionally, 11-year-old Emma was out in her awkward quietness and I honoured her as it was safe not to have to perform Emma as I have for most of my life. 
to go to bed after dinner, to miss the things I didn't fancy without shooting myself, to say things that weren't as considered and people could have been offended by, but they weren't. They were kind enough to let the words be, to make mistakes, to be a human. Thanks, friends. I went on my own little journey there in Queensland, in community and on my own, in that incredible ship, on and in the ocean, held by that incredible land and the sky, and most importantly, with you all. Little me is learning. She is, she can be okay, just as she is, fallible, silly, part of things or separate, quiet or loud. I've got her now. You held me through that emotional development. Thank you. And I was just, I put it out there and I had a little cry and I was just like, this is, this has actually been a really big deal for me. It's a really, really big deal in coming home to self, being okay with who I am, learning that she's cool, loving her, putting her out in the world and saying, do you know what? You don't have to be perfect. And people like Christy Forbes taught me this, you know, you don't have to be all these things. You just have to show up as you are because there's so many other people like you feeling the same way. And you're speaking to it, lets them know that they can do that too and that they're not alone and that this is hard. And you know that we've all got these precious parts of ourselves that need to be healed and need to be loved and need to be looked after. And then I got this beautiful text back from, um, I won't say her name, but a wonderful woman who is a, a a teacher, head teacher at school. And I had a beautiful walk with her one sunrise morning. We had this lovely chat and she just has a lovely energy. She was just so nice to me. And she, I swim with her. On, uh, she's part of the 630 group who I swim with when things are good. And they're just such a kind, inclusive group. They're really good friends. And whenever I turn up, they just welcome me with open arms. And she said this, Emma, it was lovely to get to know you. You're a great person, intelligent, interesting, and a wonderful mother to your two teenagers. And I'm glad you felt safe to be your true self. I loved our long conversation on the last hike. You have lots to feel proud of. It's me. I felt so much by that. And I know it's not about external validation, but it is about sometimes being seen. And I just wanted to offer that to you guys because it's not about stopping drinking, isn't about, you know, feeling physically better, having loads of energy, being able to be productive. It's about coming home to yourself and creating a safe place for you to be where you have your own back and you can model that for your babies as a radical act of service for them. That you can be authentic, that you can fuck up. And, and you know, Christy Forbes does this in her work as well. She's like, I'm tired, I'm burnt out, I've got chronic pain. I can't make everything, but I'm still trying my hardest. And we love her for it. And I think it gives the rest of us permission to not be perfect and to show up as we are, for it to be okay. I'm, so, I'm crying, so I'm sorry, I'll leave it at that, but I just wanted to say to you guys, if you are around, you do want to come to the virtual retreat, you're welcome to join at any time. There's recordings, so if you come, you know, if you come, if you, if you listen to this, <laughs> and it's halfway through the week, and you're like, I love that crying woman, <laughs> she sounds like my kind of person. <laughs> I want to come and do the retreat. You can still join at any point during the week and just watch the replays. I think they stick around for a little while as well. Um, but yeah, I think if you bought them, you get access to them for quite a long time. Anyway, that's me. I'm burnt. I'm cried out, but it felt really good to share that with you. I hope it meant something to you as well. And I hope you guys were able to cope with my Wonderful liberty to your brain, and I hope the sound's okay on this. I really do. Um, certainly don't want to have to do it again because I don't think I can do it again. I hate redoing things. Do you really, it's like when an Excel spreadsheet goes down and you've done all that. Like when I used to work in um really it's the end of the podcast and I stopped going on about Excel spreadsheets. No one gives a shit. But <laughs> I used to I do, even though I was very bad at maths, I do love an Excel spreadsheet. And my first job. 
I was in operations and I was quite I quite I like I like maths I'm like a neurodiverse person it's like we don't do maths very quick like I don't do maths very quickly but I can do like 15 different ways I find it really interesting to kind of work out how things work and how the numbers could be done in different ways but that's not how exams work as I found to my detriment <laughs> they don't care how many different ways you worked out the sum they just want you to have worked out the sum and finished <laughs> but that's what's wrong with the education <laughs> anyway good night my darlings uh i hope i'll see you I, if not at the moment um after that we've got the a, a free masterclass actually which i'm doing which will be fun i imagine we'll get quite a few people on that um that is the five ways that taking a break from alcohol can be effortless and change your life so that will be coming up and we've got the last ever this year um edition of the great aussie alcohol experiment live where as you guys know if you've been in it it's bloody brilliant even though i say so myself it is so worth the 490 odd quid just not quid we're not in england uh it, it, it costs to do and of course if you don't have that money it's totally fine you can there's a i do it like there's my not live version which is 50 bucks and there's loads of other places that you can go to so I just, I give so much of myself in there and it's small group coaching. So people always like to me, oh, why do you charge that? And you can do this Naked Minds for X. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm a this Naked Minds senior coach. So it's perfectly fine. I teach their material as well as my own. Like I combine my other stuff, but for the Apple experiments, it's like, it's a, this Naked Mind program with my Aussie slant in a small group coaching um, thing. And then the piece I add as well, it's like the sort of feelings and learning to be with your feelings. Um, but I mean, the thing about the alcohol experiment is it's, it, you really can, I mean, that's how I found my freedom from alcohol and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it. And I'm particularly passionate about sharing it with women and particularly for, or, or people who identify as women or, uh, gender diverse people. Um, and in fact, men can come as well, but it, I generally market it to women because a lot of our trauma comes from patriarchy um, and from systems and having to show up in a certain way in the world, which I don't think is as available to men. That's it's just how it is. Um, gender diverse people are always welcome. Um, but why am I talking about this? Um, yeah, so on the Aussie Alcohol Experiment, we, you get the daily videos, you get the, which is great, which is content. So that's all about the knowledge part. You get the community. So we've got Facebook and then we've got the small group. And that's the difference, right? For me, I do at least an hour a day, every day for 30 days in small group coaching on Zoom with the, particip with the, with the participants. Now that's worth like I could charge twice what I charge, but I don't at the moment. I probably will put it up next year. Um, but at the moment, I don't because I think it's a really good value project uh, product. And what people get that they don't get from any other coach that I know running programs is daily contact with me and the ability to be coached by me with all my experience as a trained counsellor and psychotherapist, as well as a Gabo Mate student, as well as this Naked Mind senior alcohol coach and tuning into teens, parenting, emotionally intelligent parenting coach, a master grey area drinking coach. I mean, I have so many qualifications in this shit, as well as really getting it from a personal perspective. Plus, I'm... Uh, big ally to the lgbtiq plus community and um neuroaffirmative to my neuro kid i bring my own slant i bring my own it's not perfect we come in our pajamas we come however the fuck we want as long as we come we just show up my programs are not about days we never go back to the beginning. It's all about awareness. It's all about learning. It's all about being in community. It's all about loving. And I give my all 
we were, we were together for 30 days. And then after that, if people want to, they can then come and join my Be The Lighthouse program, which is slightly less hands-on. So we meet once a week and then we have a Marco Polo uh, group where we talk in between session. And that's a beautiful, amazing group of women. So there's all these things coming up. So the 4th of September is the start date for the Aussie Alcohol Experiment. Last time this year, last time at that price. Come do it with us, be in community, have fun, chat, get some therapy. You know, I mean, God, what a gift. Before summer, um, I hope to see you there. I think it's been quite a long podcast. I hope the sound's been good. <laughs> um, see you all soon. Lots of love. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.